Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hope your week is starting well. Mine is starting absolutely beautifully. I'm, uh, that's, a, that's a trick of the light actually. I'm recording this on a Saturday, so my week hasn't even started and it's already started well. <laughs> um, I'm really pleased to um, say that I'm joined today by a guest. I've been contacted by a listener um, who wanted to come on and share their story. So, hello Liz. Hi, Richard. How are you doing? You're right. I'm all right, thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, like I say, Liz, I think it's awesome when people come on um, to the show to share their story, share their journeys, break break the monotony up of just listening to my voice. Now they get to hear yours as well, which is awesome. Um, would you like to sort of share, give us an introduction, tell us a bit about yourself? Well, I'm Liz, and um, I'm a single adopter. And um, I adopted my son about eight years ago okay. um, when he was five. I'm, a, I'm an older adopter, actually. Um, adopted him, I was about, I was 50, just, uh, just 50. Right, um, okay. So I'm, I'm an older adopter, so uh, <laughs> I have to deal with that a little bit. Um, but it, it seems to work because mm. um, I think uh, I look at things a little bit more sensibly now, I think, than perhaps when I was younger. Right, um, yes. Yeah, and uh, and now he's um, fourteen, nearly. Well, I, anyway, he's fourteen, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's into a lot of gaming. Yeah, and I have to be very wary that we balance that up with school. But um, mm. the re- the reason I contacted you really was because I I heard. I do see that a lot where lots of parents seem uh, protect prospective adopters tend to go for babies, little ones. Mm. And uh, it just strikes me that it struck me when you were talking about, you know, the fact that people sometimes don't really notice the older children and they're more fearful, I think, about yes. what's on their plate. So that's why I contacted you really, because as far as I'm concerned, I think we've had a successful adoption so mm. far anyway. Um, and, <laughs> well, I'd, uh, I'd say if, if you're saying that after eight years, I, I'd say that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's a win? Yeah, I think I think we're on the right right um, track. Yeah. Mm. So I just wanted to put, to let that, you know, how, how I did it really and and also what, what pitfalls I was aware of mm. before I actually got matched. So okay. That's really why I contacted you yeah and do you know what i think that that's that's awesome um i i think as you've listened to my show you you'll know i'm a huge advocate for adopting older children and sort of finding homes for those quote unquote harder to place children um so i think i think this is going to be a really exciting episode i'm, I'm really looking forward to this so so you adopted your son eight years ago um when you came into the process were did you come into the process looking for an older child was that always your plan well um well that's quite interesting actually because initially I had to think about my work balance Mm -hmm. um and the fact that I was on my own yes so I thought well if I didn't but also I wanted to attach Mm. so initially I thought oh I'll go for um a three-year-old, a four-year-old, just before preschool. Mm. Um, and then as time went on, I realised that that was going to be a little bit too much for me because of all the childcare and having to, you know, I knew nothing about babies, actually. <laughs> and uh, even though toddlers, you know, it was all a bit of a... So I then, then I went much older, funnily enough. I went for a child um, in... Um, I won't say where, but anyway, she was about... Um, 10. Ah, okay. He was, but um, interestingly, you know, I had in my, I was also under pressure because I was, I was nearly 50 and I decided mm. that I wasn't going to adopt past 50. It was too late. And I wasn't like, um, mad, you know, I wasn't like um, that emotional about it. It was just a matter of fact. I was, it, so I was at the end of the um, searching process. Yeah. And uh, whilst I was doing that, um, so so anyway, so I saw this child that I thought would be great, um, mm. and um, I, I approached the matching or the selection rather, like um, 
I hate to say it, but very objectively. I didn't look at the pictures. Yeah. They're all lovely. Yeah. And they all they all look sweet. So yeah. and I didn't care what um um sex they were either. Yeah. Or gender, I mean. So um anyway, so I identified this child, this eleven year old as it happened. Mm. But what I hadn't really quite got was that at that point was how severe her attachment would have been. Mm. Her mother was um uh was prostitute i think mm. and uh the um and the father was well anyway the point is that it would be it would have been very difficult to adopt yeah. and so the social worker actually wasn't in support of me um adopting that age and he said that to me that you will never really find that she'll never leave your side because you'll find it so difficult to mm. feel secure and and also when and I reckon as time would have gone on, she'd have gone back to the found her mum. So it would have been a very difficult, especially on my own. Yeah. So yeah. um so then I um so then I reduced the age of what for what I could manage. Mm. And that I came to a five-year-old. And that ah, was, okay. uh, just as they were starting school. And that's yeah. how I sort of learned through a little process. Um that's where yeah. I was gonna go. Um, so, but, so you uh, work towards a balance. Yeah, and I think I was pleased I chose that sort of age because I felt that I could, I knew by then um, from the profiles that there might be a good, in, they might be good indicators um, as to what was coming in the future. Yes. Whereas with a baby, you just don't know. <laughs> and, then, no. and then I came to the conclusion that if, um, an adopt, if a child has been adopted a little bit later, it might well mean that though the attachment wasn't that horrendous for the parent with the child. So in other words, they could attach with you. Mm. Whereas with a baby, sometimes I think they're taken quite quickly away from the parent. And then the, the question I'd have in my head is why? Mm. So, but anyway, yeah. that's how I chose, that's how I chose and came to choose the five-year-old. Okay. I like it. I like it. And, um, when you sort of changed your age um, bracket, your social worker was, did, did he then sort of support that? And Well, he was quite a sleepy social worker. <laughs> <laughs> he reminded me of the Scarlet Pimpernel. He was, one minute he was disappearing and then middle, suddenly he wake, wake up as soon as I, that had to do a lot of the legwork really. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> And then when and when I did actually identify the child that I have now, it was incredibly quick. Um, really? And I went direct, actually. At, at that point, it was slightly different. I have a feeling now. But anyway, I went direct to the social services. I didn't really involve my social work. I just copied him in. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, I'm interested in your child. And then, and, um, and then the social services came back very fast. Mm. They said, oh, we're interested in you. I had a background of doing respite fostering. Okay. Which, um, I felt I was quite well qualified in, in terms of what to expect. Mm. Because I'm, I was also working in advice work, which sees families from all sorts of backgrounds. And you really oh, okay. get into their world. So I sort of knew the world that I suspected that my mm. child would come from. But also... Um, um, but, but yeah, but also uh, I did respite fostering. So mm. I, I knew what for a teenager so I, uh, for quite a few years. So I sort of knew the, the difficulties that some of these children have. So I think that gave me quite a lot of insight, to be honest. And I, mm. I would recommend anyone to do that. To be honest. Yeah. It I really does. Give you I suppose it gave you quite a, quite a strong sort of understanding of the future what to expect what might yeah. happen yeah i mean uh, when when i first um I, I i mean it was funny when i first um was matched with the respite child um i thought he was like my going to be like my nephews you know so yeah. we I had a whole day planned you know we were going to <laughs> cycle here and then we were going to go to um visit this place and I would, oh then we were going to have lunch somewhere else and i sort of planned this whole day I didn't ask him really, and yeah. then I realised quite quickly what an error I'd made. And, he, and, and afterwards, he called it a boot camp. So <laughs> he told me he was like being in a boot camp. But I learned very quickly 
that that he wasn't he didn't have the capacity really mm. to be able to manage um uh all these activities in the same way as my very secure nephews and nieces yeah. So I soon learned very fast that we're dealing with a very different sort of person. And to be honest, whatever, I never really did know what this child that had re needed respite, actually what he did suffer, I suspect it was domestic violence that he was mm. in. Um, his father was in prison. And um, uh, he taught me a lot, really, funnily yeah. enough. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of get went into adoption. I think pretty with my eyes open quite a bit. Yeah, and I think um, I think that helps, doesn't it? I think um, I think a lot of us, um, I would I would imagine the vast majority of us coming through to the process are a bit naive um, and sort of you've seen securely attached children, and you think, oh well that's clearly what's going to happen here you know we're going to let this child move in and things are going to be great you know we might have a couple of weeks where it's a bit uncomfortable but thereafter it will settle so they do give you trial by fire um and it is it is incredible what you learn very very quickly about oh actually because of these gaps i think we're in for a little bit of a, a longer journey here well, I think it's lifelong, really. Yeah. The lifelong journey. And, um, but, um, but, but uh, satisfying and rewarding. But it is mm. like doing a PhD in child, <laughs> child management and care. I mean, I do feel that I am an, a world expert now. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> I do read a lot, do you? I read uh, a lot of books, actually. Yeah, and I, I've got... I'm, I'm in a really fortunate position... Um, because I'm heavily involved in the training of adopters, mm. I get to hear all new sort of um, theories, new practices, new sort of behaviour management, and, and I get to hear so much in practice. Mm. So I'm I'm always learning, um, and I, I think when I'm meeting new adopters, that's that's kind of what I sort of say to them: is is just never stop your learning log, just always consider yourself a student because mm. today may be different to tomorrow and and also um you know you have to be quite humble really i think to the mm. whole area of childcare. and you know i, I it was interesting recently um where you know people say oh for the first five years it was absolute bliss well mm. actually it was it was to be honest, compared with now, it, it probably looks bad. Look bad. I did think it was quite blissful, but in a, in a way. But on on the other hand, we had a lot of problems on and off, mm -hmm. and that's when all the books come out, you know. And I go away, read the books. What do I have to do now? But also, I was supported well. Um, yeah, I had well. The the first top tip, actually, I'd say, mm. was don't rush to um, to get your child adopted through an adoption order. Mm. I would uh, make sure that the social services are still responsible, even though you're the carer, because it's funny how um, as soon as the adoption order comes, the social workers disappear. Yeah. And uh, suddenly uh, you're you're having to sort things out for yourself. So we actually didn't get the adoption order for at least a year and a half. Mm. In fact, we were triggered. I was triggered by him, by my son. He said, I'd like to I'd like to now be part of your family now. So he actually sweet. told me. So I said, "Oh, okay then." <laughs> <laughs> but but, um, but uh, social services were really key to support, and mm. and very quickly I realised, you know, he would need therapy and play mm. therapy and all these sorts of things. Um, so it is really important to, even though it appears that everything's all right, you know, I think if you can get everything sorted out whilst you're if you like under the control while he listens and mm. and, and will respond and um engage with the therapist yes yeah it, it's really a crucial time to do all your maneuvering as my um parent <laughs> therapist tells me that i have <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's interesting actually um little dude when he was um when he was at just started seniors 
um, they access some counselling for him. Um, but he's very avoidant by nature. Um, and he's very intelligent and he knows how to manipulate a situation. Yeah. And he identified that he could manipulate this counsellor into letting the counsellor think that he was fine. He'll talk about these things that didn't actually matter, which meant that he would get out of his lessons, but never yeah. actually have to deal with the things that were bothering him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, for, for little dude, it was a, a blooming nightmare getting, getting that sort of support. How old was he him. at that point? Uh, so he was probably 12 Oh yeah, it's too. It's almost you're on the verge of almost too late. Mm. I mean, when 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 uh, at one point, you know, my child, he would he would run out the door with the therapist. He, he, he really, he's making it very obvious he didn't wasn't interested. <laughs> uh, but that was towards that was on and off. I mean, I don't in the end, I don't know how much help it really offers, but I think it all helps a little bit. It will never, you'll never get the perfect no. solution, actually. No. It, well, perfect doesn't exist, does it? Let's, no, let's be honest. And, and as soon as we stop applying for that, that's when things, yeah. I think, start to settle down. Um, so talking, um, talking about sort of that and, and dealing with the, <laughs> those moments, um, how have you found your son moving into the the teen years? How has that? How has that? Well, been for I you? I um, I'm quite a. I'm, I don't say I was a pushy parent, but okay. I haven't got a problem about advocating on his behalf whatsoever. Yeah. I was definitely. The, I heard one of your podcasts saying something about standing at the gate and um, annoying the teacher, but I, I'm afraid I was one of them. They didn't. I think they didn't have the guts to say. Doing this every day. <laughs> so I was already well versed in how to deal with primary school. Yeah, we did. I did choose the secondary school quite well, I think, in the mm. end. And um, so I, I was ready in a way. Mm. I, I was sort of ready. I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, but I was sort of ready to um, for his transition into secondary school, which was such a big thing for him. So yeah. big. And um, I've always had the attitude now that if you can get him into school, you're doing well. Yeah. It doesn't, I, I, it's up to the school, whatever, you know, in terms of concentration and learning and all that, that's up to them. I, I, that's their job. But mm. for my job, I feel I've got to get him in the right emotional state to get him into school. Yeah. So when the first year was quite, it was first couple of years, I'd say it was quite tough for him. So we would sort of have lots of different types of strategies. I mean, one of them might, one of them, which we've almost, well, we stopped now. He's now in year 10. Um, but, you know, I used to walk into school and we might mm. get a, um, a cinnamon bun on the way mm. and, uh, and then hand him over. But I, was, but I also briefed, so he sort of, um, and then he, was let, he let me give him a hug and all that. And so, and at that time you were allowed to use a mobile phone, actually. Uh, okay. Um, and he would ring me sometimes, say, I'm, I'm outside the door crying. Mm. And then I'd be having to ring the school and say, no, he's outside the door crying. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? But um, if he really was desperate to come home, I would, I did let, you know, I'd say, okay, come. It was a balance between uh, hearing what he needed, but also trying to build up a little bit of resilience that you of have course. to go his, his pace. But I yeah. did brief the school well beforehand, mm. really well. I had to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah. same as primary. It's yeah. it's interesting actually. We've um we've we've just I think you just referred to it. We've just done a um a bit of research on adoption and educators and schools. And mm -hmm. and I think you're absolutely right. I think you know, spending time with that school and educating them and saying this is what we're going to expect and this is how I expect you to deal with that. If you don't think that you can tell me now because then I'll pick a different school exactly and I think I mean interestingly he's you know the biggest scare for him would have been um, bad points and detentions mm. that would have been horrendous for him mm. and uh, and I sort of set, said to the school 
that um, I almost said to them, you know, I don't expect him to get detentions and that point, you know, <laughs> you have to encourage him and do and, and be positive and and, encourage, and stuff like that. And they, to be fair to the school, they heard me mm. and they've never had, they've never had a problem. But That's I did, pretty good. But yeah, and, and there are other adoptive parents I know have had trouble, but I think they were a bit hesitant in going forward in the first mm. place to... Um, you know, to explain how yeah. they wanted them to treat their child. And you have to go through the, you also have to bring out the um, adoption card a bit and say, you know, this child has had a difficult start and get the sympathy vote a bit, I think. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it one of those, help. it's one of those interesting ones, isn't it? Because like, mm -hmm. it never in a million years would I want little dude to feel like a victim and be treated no. like a victim. But every now and then, to get professionals to hear you, I, I found, certainly at senior school, I found that I needed them to know that at one point he was a victim. Now, he turned that into being a survivor, and he smashed it out of the park. But that doesn't mean he didn't have to go through some stuff, which means he does need to be treated differently mm. in order. And I, I think it's... It's about leveling the playing field, isn't it? I, I don't want little dude to have extra special sort of care. I want him to be given the care that will mean he's on a par with his peers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? Because well, is it, I mean, a good example is recently, really. When we were, was, I mean, he's no he's no games player. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's no sporty boy actually. <laughs> um, and <laughs> but uh, so come rugby, suddenly he doesn't turn up with his kit. Mm. And I thought well, that's a bit interesting. So I said to him, you know, as he went out the door, I said, "Where's your kit?" He said, "Oh, it doesn't matter." And again, funnily enough, week week later, teacher gets in touch with me and says he didn't turn up with his kit. So I'm afraid I put my son right in it and said, "Well, I know that because I told him to take it. He didn't want to." <laughs> But, so, so we're on side now with the teacher that's the other thing you've got to be on side yeah and then I said but I think there's a reason for that and I he's quite sensitive to touch mm. and it was going to be the tackling thing in rugby yeah and uh, I said I don't think he he could he really can manage the you know the touch bit mm. and um and again the school said oh that's okay we can sort that out that's so, really good. But but it is like you they you do have to sort of put that forward, even though you're going to be treated a little bit differently. Mm. There are other children that uh, have issues. It's yeah. not just adopted children, and they it's called um. Well, I think you called it something. You know, it's just adapting to different sort of issues, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think we're moving into a world whereby mental health in general is being spoken about so much more mm. and we are all starting to get a bit of a better understanding i think these last two years have helped us to understand that you know people do struggle and people do suffer and i think mm. over these last two years even even those who didn't necessarily believe in mental health issues would have either experienced it themselves or known someone that experienced really poor mental health. So I think it's yeah. it's brought that conversation out, hasn't it? And it's I think it's helped people to go, actually, that's been really tough. Um, we need to treat people a bit differently now. Yeah, I mean that might be the the positives of COVID actually. Because mm. uh I mean my son is um quite good at vocalizing if he feels anxiety actually that's really good say. and i've sort of trained him up in a way to you know try and sort your own battles out before mm. I mm. but um uh but funnily enough during lockdown he loved he loved that solo learning <laughs> he, loved it. You know, he didn't want any of those distracting horrible other children interfering and yeah you know. that was a bit the struggle bit of of interacting with other children is what he needs so yeah yeah it's and and unfortunately where that's that solo learning they can they can almost hide behind it and say oh it's 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 
the restrictions I've got to do this but yeah. actually I feel really safe and really quite happy by doing this yeah. Yeah. so it's, it's it's quite interesting really how how these things are used to their own advantages <laughs> I mean I think that's why I like gaming to be honest. yeah but it's all a balance isn't it it's about the balance of being secure in a nice comfy area I think actually I think there's a lot of young people trauma or not I think a lot of young people are opting for staying in and staying on a computer mm. um I don't know if if it's that sort of social awkwardness I don't know like if they've just stopped learning how to have that physical social time yeah that's the worry isn't it yeah I've got um I've got a young lad that works for me um and I was talking to him this was years ago um he was probably about 17 18 I said oh uh go to anything good at the weekend he went oh yeah yeah sort of okay, hung out with me mates um spent the night hanging out with me mates on Saturday I was like, oh that's awesome how many he was like, oh there's probably about eight ten of us fantastic cool so where did you go went, what <laughs> so where did you go in my room I went, what eight or ten of you in your room he went no we were all in our own houses he went we were hanging out online I was like yeah mate that is not hanging out that is not hanging out (laughs) (laughs) i know that is that is a challenge for the future for for some of these children Mm. yeah i think um we've kind of and in fairness my half has always been so much better at doing this than i have but we've kind of forced little dude into social circumstances and forced him into social conversations um he he had um in his primary school he had a bank come in um to talk about their bank and how they all work and oh you could set up a young savers account fantastic marketing absolutely brilliant yeah, yeah. um little dude came home he was like oh my god i want a bank account that's gonna be so cool um and we was like yeah we can we can sort that out for you but then my other half turned around and said well you can do that yourself you've got their phone number you can phone them and ask them what you need to bring to the bank so as you can set this up and he kind of sat with little dude when he was like 10 10 11 Mm -hmm. helping him to make that phone call he said you're gonna have to do these things in life um so that's good push pushing pushing those boundaries um but like you say you've got to you got to know when to push and then when to stand in front of and say actually no they don't have to do this one yeah when we we set up a bank account we went to the bank mm. the old-fashioned way and sat there as a little uh, you know so that he could discuss his, yeah. his banking nice <laughs> only problem was he wasn't getting any pocket money because it all went on sweet i mean that's our biggest issue you ask about teenagers and mm. i think it's uh, letting go and trying to let them take control mm. equally of being hovering in the background and then intervening and then sometimes putting up with abuse yeah yeah um and uh sometimes hitting that's got better now um but uh it is a balance between letting them manage themselves but also still being there still being there yeah it's really important but it is it's a challenge it it absolutely is yeah it's um It's, it's really hard, isn't it? I, I think I talked about this a number of episodes ago where you're, you're transitioning, aren't you, from yeah. them not needing you as much. It's true, too, yeah. But, but you, A, you know that you are still needed, but B, you've got to transition on how you're offering that support. Um, and I, I think that's, as parents, I think that's quite challenging. Well, I had, um, I mean, I've always right through had the adoption fund has paid for a parent advisor. Uh, Fantastic. Which, which, you know, and um, they they are quite helpful, actually. I mean, mm. sometimes I'm not quite sure what I get. I, you know, I might get one tiny nugget. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic information. <laughs> <laughs> but mainly it's it's also sharing it and mm. you know, knowing that you're doing the right you're on the right course yeah but you're right it is it's it is 
It is difficult. I mm. mean, I think that they the difference with our children now is that they're on a very, you know, it's it's it, it's very slippery there there, you know, where they tread. Yeah. Compared with with with, with others and um and so things are always a little bit more. So, you know, mm. if you intervene at the wrong time and say the wrong thing at the wrong time, they're, they're, they're that much more expressive. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, that, and that's a bit, then you then have to manage that. Of course. So what I'm hearing a lot of from yourself, Liz, and it's really encouraging, actually, is a lot of what you said is about accessing support um you've accessed support for yourself and for your son um and you've done that it sounds like you've done that from from the get-go um I have and um the way I did it a bit I did it I also have heard how difficult some of the adoptive people community find it to mm. access support and again it was a bit like how I actually got matched in the first place you've got to do it yourself yeah so you, you know, I identified the therapist I wanted. I didn't even bother to go see. I did try. I did have a conversation, but I could see that social workers didn't really know. I was quite surprised mm. about that. I'd say, you know, who would you recommend? They'd say, oh, I don't know. You know, there's lots of therapists out there. So you've got to do your own homework and you've got to do your own contact. Mm. And then once I found who I thought, in fact, and in, in, our, in retrospect, I would have chosen a different thought therapy, actually. I would have done the didactic one. But they right. didn't really they didn't really have it then. But in any event, I um, made sure that um, once I made that contact with the therapist, I got the therapist to write the report to the social worker. So the social worker, all she had to do was tick tick the box <laughs> and send it to the adoption support fund. Yeah. That is a real quick way of getting of getting the support. But I, I would recommend it's so important. So it's it's really interesting actually because a lot of um, what I'm seeing at the moment um, within my role within Adoption UK is I, I'm seeing a lot of parents where they're not necessarily able to access support or not getting support. Um, and then they're kind of, I, I'm going to say it's a confidence thing where they're kind of sat back going, I just want to tap into a bit of support because I want to make sure what I'm doing is right and I think particularly in those early days you are filled with doubt um filled with you know guilt and shame and you're sure that you're not doing anything right and and it you're you've had a massive hit on your confidence and I think again over these last two years there's been a lot less interaction within the adoption community because nobody's been allowed to interact so I think people are kind of bumbling their way through and they're so worried that they're getting everything wrong that they're filled with doubts and I think having exactly what you're saying there that confidence to say well no this is what I need so this is what I'm going to access I, I, I'm really keen to try and find ways to help adopters to boost their confidence and to boost their abilities I mean, yeah, I mean, I do have a sort of adoption support group, where, where especially mm. early on. We met on a, um, a parenting group, and from the parenting group, we decided to meet in people's houses. Mm. That was quite good fun. But <clears throat> um, And for, for the first few years, when he was very young, in primary, um, it worked quite well. Mm. But, uh, and I've kept friendships with a few people now um, in the adoption world, and it is really useful because... You hear about the different therapies that they're using, yeah. And the help they're accessing, and and uh, you know, and sometimes I think, oh, actually, that would be good. <laughs> but it is really handy because no one, there's no, doesn't seem to be a sort of central place where they have all this information, and and that's the other thing, you know, you're so busy trying to do everything. I mean, my thing that ninety percent of my headspace is 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 my child. Yeah, you know, it's beginning a bit less now. But, um, you know, it, it's unbelievable, the effort. But I've also noticed that um, there's one adopted mum that I talked to, and I think that she herself find, would, would find a therapy quite threatening. 
Mm. Because um, it might reveal stuff about themselves. Yeah. And and that's the fear, I think. There's a bit of that, I think. Mm. It's um yeah, I I think again, I think as a as a country we're getting better at talking about therapy and counselling. Um but I think I think there's always been that stigma as well of people thinking, oh, if I'm accessing a counsellor, have I done something wrong or is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's so many barriers. And again, like you're saying, you know, if I access support, are they going to unravel something about myself that I really, really don't want to deal with? And and that's quite scary, isn't it? That's it's, it's quite scary to think that um yeah I agree Um, yeah so coming back to to yourselves though um because obviously like you're saying you've you've worked well with the school um and that's that it sounds like they're doing a really really good job of of hearing Mm -hmm. hearing you and working with you and sort of your family you're accessing therapy um and you're getting that to work so you're doing a lot there you're getting the support you're getting the support groups a lot of those things you're ticking into the the right boxes and i'll say ticking in the right boxes i'm gonna these are these imaginary boxes of when we go through the process these are the things we're told to do to do Mm -hmm. it right um so you're eight years into your sort of adoption journey um and it sounds like it's going really really well have you had moments where you've gone this is sort of this is going absolutely superb this is this is my aha moment where it ticks over and you go yeah do you know what this is the this is what I was looking forward to this is what I was waiting for this is this is that brilliant moment of I am getting it right well I mean the I I mean we're in it at the moment I feel Mm. um but um you know it when we get the teachers writing in to me uh, they they email me and sometimes say we've had a fantastic day mm. and uh, and he's helping others with nice. their maths or whatever and uh, it was great to see and 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 that's that was lovely mm. um, so it's lovely on the school front yeah um, on the um, uh, I'd like to say <laughs> I mean I, when I pass that on. To him he wasn't that yeah all right you know like what <laughs> I mean, my ha-ha moment will be when he's really pleased for himself yeah and i and i'm not convinced that quite has happened yet mm. um it's just, it's ongoing really i i mean it's as long as he's happy i'm not really there are no big big moments i'd say yeah. um Sometimes, you know, I think, oh, you know, let's, he won't watch films with me, which is a real shame. Oh, I was very envious when I heard you saying that you won't watch a film with your son. We well, won't do that with me. And it's really annoying. Yeah. And then, and then he says, oh, yeah, I'll watch that with you. And then he goes, yeah, it's okay. And I'm all enthusiastic. He says, no, I don't think I will. So um, I'm looking yeah. forward to that whole, whole moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again this it's an interesting one isn't it you think you know i'd love i'd love to be able to get into their brains in those moments and just go right why what what what's what's the blockade for you here what's yeah. the reason and i'd love to understand it i'd love to sort of get into the the nooks and crannies of their brains and just go right you just said this why 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 what do you need from me? Um, yeah. It's risk taking. I want him. To, I'd love him to be able to do. It's mm. very difficult. It's very hard. Yeah. You know, to go outside his comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going on a trip. We're doing a little road trip when he's when he's fifteen. Okay. And um, I'm expecting a lot of ha ha moments then. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I've said to him already, and I said, look, we're going on this trip it's going to be quite expensive we're going to florida around little road trip around america amazing and, um i said you know you know we really will you really will have to um you know take little risks do risks take risks and mm. i will i will i will you know you know and, and be adventurous i think that's how i put it yeah 
it's um yeah i think i think it's those moments isn't it because they've got to take those risks and they've got to realize that they could fall and it could go horribly yeah. wrong but yeah, it's not exactly. the end of the world the world will continue to spin and i think be my okay. other half yeah my aha moment was when about a few weeks uh, about a few months ago he said oh i'm going away for, I'm, I'm i'm going to meet my friends in mm. town and we're going to go to the cinema and then we're going to do this and that and whatnot and that, that was a real aha moment actually because suddenly yeah. he had a few friends around him and that's what it's about yeah you know, when i was a child I never thought about not having friends. Of course no. I had friends and did things with them. But, you know, it's a real big deal for, for, for him. Yeah. And, um, and he was getting, you know, in, in, you know, he was really excited about going to cinema and with them and doing whatever yeah. they were doing. And, and, and he did, he's done a few little outings on that front on his own. So, so I think that's my, probably my biggest aha moment. Yeah, it's... Um... I love it. I love when little dude is is seeing friends and mm. getting to spend time because for so many years that was a struggle. That was a challenge. Exactly. Um, and it was a worry for us because, like you say, you know, I, I mean, I grew up and when I was at school, I didn't have masses of friends. I couldn't. I didn't come into my own probably until I was about fifteen. Um, I had mates i had acquaintances but i didn't fit in any social group at all and i felt so lonely and i just didn't want that for little dude i didn't want him to feel mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um so when he was struggling with socially it was like please don't go through what i went through <laughs> oh well i think well I, I i'm not sure that they aren't far off from being acquaintances if i'm honest but mm. um, it's a start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, coming into the teen years, did you have any sort of major worries, fears, anxieties about coming into the teen years or were you quite excited about it or? Um, no, I mean, we did, we, you know, there was, it was difficult in the sense of there was violence at one point, at some point. Mm. Um, the, you know, I know it's a big thing at the moment. So I was quite worried about that. Mm. But um, he couldn't control how he felt. Mm. The only way he could do it was um, hit me. And, um, you know, I did have, we had to, um, you know, I, I nearly, we came to a point where I said, well, I'm going to call the police if you do this again. You know, um, because it's not, it's against the law. Not. Yeah. <laughs> and, um he didn't like that, obviously, but 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 it was it was more the self harming because what he felt such shame. So the so the emotions were very extreme, they're not yeah. quite so extreme. So he was sort of starting to um, get. He, he didn't actually self harm, but he would get a knife. Mm. Say, this is what I want to do. But I know it was a bit frightened of hurting himself, so I didn't quite believe he would. But nevertheless, I had to take it very seriously. Yeah. And so if he did hit me straight away, there was a fear that he would then hurt himself. Mm. Or hurt, him, hurt himself. So we would have it. It was sort of a bit of a thing where you know, it might. It often started around um, food. Yeah. Something around food, where you know, I it might it might be just someone sit down here and eat your food. Mm. Um, but actually, it turned out you know and then he lost it and then um and it's quite i mean i'm on my own so it's quite scary in a way mm. and uh but i knew that to get out of his way but once he had calmed down then then he worried about self-harm so he'd go in and into his room for example um and find out if he's found a knife somewhere mm. and anyway so there was quite a lot of stuff we had to deal with then and then we had to calm, then once he'd calmed down and he'd give me the knife, whatever it was he was using. And um, and then we would talk about it. Mm. And it was really interesting because there was one episode when this happened and it turned out that the reason he was upset with, about me was nothing to do with the actual issue at the time, the, the, the issue in front of us, which was sit at the table and eat. 
It was actually about the fact that because he didn't want to come for a walk with me, I was going to have an ice cream on my own without him. Without him. And that's the thing. He was really upset. He was, it must have triggered something. Because yeah. sometimes the triggers you don't know. Absolutely. You don't know what these triggers are. And anyway, he's now older and um, he's managed to uh, control how his, his impulse. Of, he doesn't hit me anymore anyway. That's good. Mm. That's good. So that's good. Um, and he and the self harm circle stopped. The shaming, that's that stopped. So now we're he's he's able, but better. Mm. Calm. He says, I just need time to calm down. He says. Yeah. And, and then that's what we do now. If if you don't mind me asking, uh, how long ago did that stop? Um, about I'd say about a year now. Oh, okay okay about so months, so yeah. sort of 13 14 yeah. sort of mo- all going on yeah, yeah. so all all and the hormones not easy. And... yeah it's not easy and um i mean credit credit to him because obviously if it was about a year ago obviously that's in the height of covid and restrictions and lockdowns and all of that nonsense so there's a lot of other stuff going on for him there for him to yeah, then well. Yeah. over overcome that barrier and sort of make a step forward that's that's really quite incredible so it's yeah i think it's incredible for him and an attestment yeah. to you as well i think he's a survivor too yeah you know i think you know sometimes i wonder sometimes and maybe with your child as well is that there's an instinctive thing about i know i'm in a good place with this, in this place <laughs> yeah and um i i, I you know, and some, I think there might be a bit of, I think there is a bit of a survivor thing there anyway. Because I noticed that when he's at school, my, one of my fears was that he would be bullied a lot. Mm. But I think he can stand up to himself. Mm. And I wonder if um, he can stand up for himself because that's the sort of thing that maybe he has got strength in, in a weird way, from his adoption, well, you know, from his trauma. He's had to stand up for himself. Yeah. right through in a way right, right through even now yeah you as well probably have that little edge i reckon i i think you're absolutely right i think um i think that our children i think they know when they need to blend into the shadows and uh, i think they know when they need to rise up and and be strong um i think i think their survival instinct is incredible um and it's it's something that I admire when I hear when I hear of little dudes, different triumphs and different things that he's had to different challenges that he's faced and then how he's dealt with it. You think, wow, don't know many adults that could have thought to do it that way. That's that's quite incredible. Yeah, and I and I and I, you know, and I, he's he's given me little examples, and I thought, God, I wouldn't have to do that. I'd be frightened. Of yeah, he stood up for it, and and he he will stand up for others sometimes. I think yeah um and you know in that rescue type of thing that they have yeah but, but they're not i mean i don't think he's very intimidated by the teachers in a, interestingly and i know i mean what's interesting I, I think i mentioned it on one of our episodes there was a, a time when little dude was at primary school and there was a family there and they were really really horrible family um they were in head teacher's office yelling and screaming every week about how their poor little angel had been bullied when he was he was the perpetrator so they would get ahead of it and they would claim that somebody else had done something to upset yeah um well this this boy was playing rugby with little dude and little dude did a tackle that was a successful tackle but it was right in front of the teacher the parent then went over and started yelling and screaming at little dude um teacher obviously had to intervene and get her away later on i i had a meeting and met with this other mom and the head teacher and us and we was talking through and um when she calmed down she said oh i'm I shouldn't have yelled at your son. I was like, no, you absolutely shouldn't. Um, And she's like, I will apologise. I was like, okay, fine. She then went out and she spoke to little dude and she was like, I'm really sorry about that. I I shouldn't have yelled at you. And he said to her, he said, you're nothing. He said, I've seen so much worse than you. He said, you didn't scare me and you won't scare me. He said, 
and I don't really believe your apology either but I'm okay so don't worry <laughs> about me <laughs> and, and I was like good for you I wouldn't I wouldn't have had the, the the guts or glory to say that but but again I think it's exactly that I think he was just sitting there saying oh come on you just raised your voice yeah. I've seen much worse than this yeah. move on I, I'm, yeah. I'm not that phased so they are strong they're survivors and and they're blooming good at it and I think I think we need to encourage that and and embrace it and and enjoy it really mm. yeah um, I think that is a strength I mean I, I yeah yeah definitely but it sounds Liz it's it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job and it sounds like he's an awesome young man too um so I think from what you're saying he's a true credit to you um and I think from one adopter to another I think it sounds like you are doing so many awesome things um you've embraced the world of adoption you've accessed support and not been scared to access support you've looked for help you've advocated you've challenged and you've supported and I think it's it's really admirable to hear your story and to hear how you've done it and how you've worked um, to sort of throw yourself into this world and throw yourself into being a parent. So I think it's wonderful. Well, yeah, I wonderful. didn't know, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was, um, I have to admit, you know, when on the day that it all happened, you know, I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? What am I yeah. doing? Yeah. On the day when it was all going to happen, because I was matched and he was in, he was in my house within a month of oh. the actual, um, not even with the matching, I'd say it was a month from when I actually spotted the advert, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So it was incredibly quick. The yeah. social worker reckoned that he could manage it, and he did actually, but, but it was incredibly quick. And suddenly, mm. out there I was. I didn't know what parenting really was. I mean, no. I think it was quite hard to imagine, if I'm honest. yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what you do, and it's really difficult to imagine. Yeah, it doesn't matter what book you're picking up. It's it's not it nothing nothing is going to prepare you for those early days. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, judging by what you're saying, it 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 worked out for you, which is really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's so far so good. Yeah, you, you know, you always have to be wary that it could change, should could shift, but yeah. hopefully there's enough manure now. Um, <laughs> I'm fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, but Liz, thank you so so much for agreeing to come on the show or getting in touch. It's um, it's been lovely hearing your story, um, and I'm sure that our listeners have really enjoyed it as well. So, thank you so much. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to staying in touch and, and hearing more about your journey. Well, thank you, Richard. I've enjoyed um, sharing it, as I always do. I'm a bit of a talker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way we, we make the world understand it, right? That's true. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.